Interesting, deep as hell. You know what I mean? Raw people. It's so good. Okay, people. So I think you know by now when the AJ symbol goes up, I gotta answer that, right? So, um, you know what I mean? When AJ was doing me a solid recently, you know what I mean? Hey, if you ain't watched it, go check that interview because it is fire. It will definitely give pub, you know, want to be publicists, PR people, it will give you a real valuable insight and some guidance, man. So, AJ's legit, right? But, yo, threw the signal up, man. It was like, yo, I feel you want to check this out, right? And have conversations. And when she says shit, it's always correct. So I I went and checked out this new documentary called Stay Alive. But I had no real clue what this was gonna be. I didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what to expect. You know, but whew, it's uh it's it's interesting, man. It's powerful, right? It's directed by Paul. MME. Um, it is written by Rayuku Dig, Mark Goldston, Kevin Hines, and Frank S. Kilpatrick. It is produced by Linda Kilpatrick, executive produced by Frank Kilpatrick. Uh, music is from Rayuku Dig and Frank S. Kilpatrick. Cinematography is Samuel Amin. It's edited by Dylan Kilkenny. Uh, Yazzie Meshkat handles like makeup. Brian Barber, he is he does the sound. We got Matt Grace and Glyndon Kenzie helping out with some camera work, editorial. Um, David Gratero, right? And uh, other sound and you know music and stuff. We've got Arian Ballon, Robert Belhill, and Arif Hudzik. Um, and Tiana Domasco is also a valuable part of the production. 
right? So, um, you know, Stay Alive's informal and interactive approach to exploring suicide prevention will touch those in deep distress as its unique perspectives inform those who love and support these individuals and engage everyone who wants to better understand the human condition, right? So that's the real kind of bug about this. And I think one valuable thing, right, it's, uh, it's a very different approach, right? Now, as I said, look, I came in, I wasn't really sure what to expect, right, what I was going to be getting. And when you turn on and then you see, you know what I mean, these three people sitting around a table, you're like, wait, what? Huh. It's it's a documentary, but it's like a video podcast, right? So if you watch the JRE or your, you know, I say your mum's house, but there's no gross videos here, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? But yo, you you get this real like informative discussion, but. It's just this human element, right? That's the thing that resonates. Now, there's some real, like, important information that they put out, I feel, that people should, right? So the way they talk about this, you know what I mean? So they break it into, on their mission statement, these three parts. So the need. Suicide has become an epidemic. Right, the US suicide rate has jumped some 30% from 2000 to 2016, according to the Centers for Disease Control. The reasons are complex family fragmentation, social media overexposure, political polarization, opioids, and other life stresses all play. Apart, Stay Alive was developed in recognition of the challenges of traditional institutions in addressing all those in need of suicide prevention and care. Right, then it's the program. Stay Alive is a 75-minute documentary divided into two sections, understanding and helping. They offer education and guidance on the important subject of mental health and suicide prevention, as well as compassion and caring for those who are suffering and their loved ones. Stay Alive was designed for and recommended to individuals, families, schools, communities, social services and churches, anywhere there is a need. And then we have the message. Stay Alive's message centers around the process of moving from despair, as in being seemingly Un, un, bleh, unpaired with connection and a reason to live, to repair, to presenters do not shy away from challenging topics and their profound personal disclosures and proven approaches make this program uniquely valuable and like any other. Support and resources are provided on the film's website, if you are someone you look, if you are or someone you know is in distress, 
and or in urgent need of immediate medical assistance, please call 911-999 over here, folks. The new lifeline code in the States, 988, or the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. I don't know the UK numbers, people, but you will be able to find those, okay? So that's the big thing here. This is, like, such a interesting thing because it goes into, right, the stories of these people, right? You've got Kevin Hines, Kevin Hines, who tried to kill himself, you know? He, he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. I mean, that is crazy, right? That is just being, like doing it and surviving. And here's the thing, right? There's, I've heard it so many times. You know, from when you hear these stories of people that have a survived attempts, that there is that deep despair, right? That that kind of like, I don't know what to do, and I can't keep fighting. And then they make the attempt, and literally as soon as that happens, then it's a, actually, I, no, this was wrong. I don't want to do this. Ah. Right? That's the crazy thing. That it would seem that most of it, and I, I say most, right? Because it's the things we hear from all the survivors. So you imagine the people that don't survive have gone through a similar thing. But yeah, the majority of people seem to be like, oh, fuck. So it's, I think it's vital that there are these sorts of resources for people to help because there is this uh there is this thing right when you're going through these dark moments that it's like no one else can understand right no one else has been through this shit or at least you don't know anyone else who has so if there are these things these conversations these resources that show you Others that feel the same way, others that have been through similar things, that can only help, right? There needs to be this honesty and this straight honesty, right? This is some raw ass shit. This raw ass shit of them just talking about these things. And it's kind of hosted, right, by... Um, uh, Mark, yeah, Dr. Mark Goldstone, right? He kind of leaves this conversation and, you know, he's a medical doctor and psychiatrist. He spent 25 years at UCLA, right? Putting in that clinician work, right? Trying to help in suicide prevention. So he definitely knows what he's talking about. Right, he's written books, he's, he's, he's done his thing, you know. Um, so yeah, Mark, he knows what he's talking about, but his 
like a lot of times with things like this, you, you have a specialist like Mark and they'll talk about these processes. They'll talk about this thing, but you're only getting that, right? And here he doesn't like want to take control. He doesn't want to hold the limelight. It's just this free flowing conversation. And he asks the right questions to get this information from Kevin and Ryuku, you know, which is just so valuable, right? Now, Ryuku, she's a vocalist, songwriter, guitarist, you know, she's in a band, the Lolita Dark, right? And she's gone through her own dark times, right? So her and Kevin being able to share their experiences right? Paint that picture of what it feels like in these particular moments, right? That's a huge thing here. Because I think anyone, like, can kind of talk about, you know, if you're stressed, if you feel down, if you're depressed. Not everyone can really paint a picture, can put someone in that frame of mind, right? Let you know what it's actually like. And that is the power of Stay Alive because Kevin and Ryan could do that and do that very well, right? So you you understand what they must have been feeling through. And I think Kevin says at one point, right, that his dad asked a question, right? His dad asked, like, are you okay? And He's mad. He was like, oh, it's kind of mad. Because I'm like, well, surely you can see I'm not okay. Right? Surely, how could how do you not know this? And he's like, you know, but he's just like, oh, actually, he asked if I'm okay. Right? So he's done uh, the thing. He's tried to open that door so you can then go, you know what, I'm feeling this. But I think sometimes when you're in these spaces that you think that people should know right, or ask specific questions, but, yo, people don't know those specific questions to ask, so when someone says they, you know, what it might seem like, a simple question, are you okay, you good, what's up with you, then that is the opening, that is them reaching out, trying to help, you know, and so it's interesting the way Kevin explains it all, you know, and he, he tells you all of this, and it's kind of funny, right? So the way they're talking, because it is a lot of, you know, I went through this pain, I hear your pain, I love you, I feel you, I feel like this very, like, emotionally charged conversation, but you realize, right, that there are these coping mechanisms, these things that are now in place to try and appreciate these moments, try to appreciate others right, appreciate these sorts of conversations, you know what I mean, the power of what is being put out there, so you, you, you're you listening to it all, and you, you, you do get taken over by this whole experience, right, by the vulnerability that is being shown, you know, there is a, a music video on the website, um, which has been created by, uh, Ryuku, you know, Ryuku's on it, 
along with um oh who's the other cat on the uh video it is um robert bayan yeah and it is this like there's these messages going through of like yo we can help you like just you know open up and all, all of these important kind of messages but behind this this yo the beat is great ain't gonna lie the bit like you know what I mean it's like it sounds really good so but you can think right you might play it and just be enjoying the tune but by osmosis the messages that are being put out there can maybe permeate right can actually do something right let you know that there is this help this love out there for you so it, it's a it's an odd one right because you kind of feel like well how can that help right surely there's these other things that can do but hey it's all about trying to connect with people in different ways so whether it's one of you know dr goldstein's books whether it's the many talks you know kevin hines does whether it's stay alive, you know, the like whatever it takes, right? Whatever can do the trick. That's the thing. You know, the website has got a ton of resources, right? Like contact details for all these different organizations. I mean, there is a lot, right? Which hey, a lot of times when you know a website will go, oh. Yes, the there's like one or two, but yo, this there are a ton, a ton. So whatever you might be going through, they give you um a group, a number, a hotline that possibly can help, right? So this is yeah. I mean, you're gonna watch this and you do feel odd afterwards, right? Uh, when I say odd, I mean you're just like over, you know, overblown by these, you know, thoughts, right, of like, fuck, people going through this thing, like, man, how can I try and spot these signs, right, how could I help, right, like, okay, so I should ask these questions, I should do this, I should look for this, right, because you can guarantee one of your peoples, right, friends, family, whoever, might be going through something you know so if someone if people really mean something to you ask those questions like are you okay what's up you know what I mean if you know they're usually a bubbly vibrant person and one day maybe they're not maybe that's because something so hey ask the question man like listen what is here that the, these guys America Japan you know what I mean? But it's a universal message, right? It's a universal message. It's powerful, right? It's real powerful. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it, it might make you cry. It'll definitely make you feel. But that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. And hopefully this is a conversation starter. The catalyst for change, people, right? And the big thing, the real big thing, 
hopefully it will help you stay alive. Okay, beautiful. So, as promised, now we have the conversation, right? So, I sit down with Dr. Mark Goldston and Frank right? Executive producer, he put together the music video. Right? These two people really brought this thing to life, right? So, this. It's a long one, right? Frank has to leave us earlier, but we continue. You know what I mean? But Frank's there for, I don't know, 40 minutes? Something like that. Hey, it is so interesting and gives you some real good tips. Don't want to miss it. You want to share it with your people. But, you know what? Okay, people, so this is a really interesting uh, one because we have got uh, Mark, Dr. Mark Goldston, who is an MD psychiatrist and also producer Frank Kilpatrick. So they are here to talk about Stay Alive, which is their new documentary, which, yeah, I mean, as I said, look, it feels like a podcast, because it's just this frank conversation around suicide, suicide prevention, you know, something that we hear about a lot, and especially after the pandemic, Know, suicide rates, you know, rose, right? And we hear about, you know, we often hear people talk about, you know, these mental health problems, but then we don't have these conversations, which does feel kind of crazy. So what was it about now, right, that made you, um, made you feel that this was something that you needed to put out there into the world? So Frank, maybe you can pick it up because Frank and I have been friends for a number of years now and we're fans of each other and uh, Frank is very philanthropic and really focused on leaving the world better than he found it and well, so that's very kind of you Mark thank you so he knows about he knew about my work and he knew that I was passionate about it so Frank maybe you can talk about what gave you the idea that we should do this. Sure. So the the motivation really, Kevin, relates to what you were saying a moment ago. There's certainly been an epidemic since COVID and, and over the last decade of mental health issues. And uh, obviously the most extreme of those is what we talk about in this film along with, um, along with related issues. And so what we thought we could do is to connect uh, with some some real life experience from uh, presenters like Dr. Goldston here, who's a UCLA um, faculty member and um, uh, well-known psychiatrist and who specializes in, um, in suicide prevention. Uh, we thought between him and Kevin Hines, who's uh, one of the other participants in the film, that, uh, and Rico Takahashi, uh, 
that we, we who's a singer and uh, musician, that, that we could bring a, a message of some value to people who were in dark places. So we came up with this informal kind of presentation style of a discussion back and forth. And from the previews that we've heard, it seems to connect with people. Yeah, I, I, I think the way you kind of, you know, put it out there is like, you know, bare bones is it, not trying to be all crazy with effects or anything like that. It's just this honest conversation between, you know, these three people, which I, I feel that's definitely more impactful. And then giving it this amount of time as well, you know, just over an hour, which is great. Because I think oftentimes when we see these things get discussed on a new show or something, it's, you know, a five minute block at the most, right? And, and I think this is something that definitely needs time to breathe. So when you were, you know, as I say, you, you, you sat down to have this pre-flowing conversation, but were you very conscious about you wanted to hit certain points? Well, well I think, you know, you know, Kevin is internationally known. Uh, he was actually uh, named as a CNN hero uh, because he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. And and he's made it his mission and his passion to try to prevent people uh, from dying by suicide. And so he had quite a story to share with our, our viewers. And uh, Reiko uh, also in the Japanese pop community, in a video game community, uh, depression and suicide is pretty high. And that is something that she's also felt so we wanted to pull their experiences out in the uh, documentary and also share some of what I've learned as a suicide prevention specialist, uh, but also having had times in my life where I was in a dark place and believe that I was saved from doing something destructive. Mm, yeah, I, I think they're important things you know and i think kevin's story is yeah i heard about it but there's hearing about it from someone else and then there's having him tell that story and as especially the where he gets in a bit and he's in the water and he's talking it's just like whoa it's just crazy it'd be hard to believe if you if you hadn't heard about it firsthand yeah yeah i think that's that's one of the uh, elements of the Stay Alive documentary that we think is compelling and that will help people to connect with it is that Kevin's story is, is so rich uh, along with uh, Dr. Goldston's uh, path of, of connection, either, either for those who are in a dark place themselves or with family, friends, loved ones. So we, we tie those pieces together in the, in the film and. Uh, appreciate your your nice comments about our informal approach because we thought that would be the best thing the best way to tell the story is if you're talking to a friend mm. well it feels more honest you know what I mean I, I think there's certain things that get 
produced, but it feels overproduced, right? Real shiny, and you just like, do these people really go through this thing? Are these just actors talking? Like, what what are we watching here? So I think what you have created, it does feel like this, just this truly honest conversation between these people, you know? And I think that's very important. And I think the way they're able, well, you're all able to communicate. I think that's, because there's having these messages and there's not being able to communicate these messages. Right, you see a lot of people like wanting to be able to, you know, be those viral stars. Like, I'm gonna say this thing, and it just doesn't, it doesn't work. They can't connect. But everyone is, you know, the way you put these things across, the way you can, you know, create these narratives that let everyone see what you're seeing, what you're feeling. That does come across, and that's very important with something like this. You know, so how was it like? Did you have to do any test runs? That like, or was it a few conversations where you knew that you know Roku and, and Kevin were going to be right for this? Well, Mark, you're the one who knew Kevin from a while and uh, brought him into the film, so. Uh... I think you must have sensed that there was a, a natural connection there between the message and its way of telling it. Yeah, I had seen Kevin present at some uh, uh, event in Los Angeles where he was one of the main speakers. And he was incredibly compelling and dramatic in his story. And we just met briefly afterwards. And what was interesting is I had mentioned one of my mentors who was one of the pioneers in the study of suicide prevention. His name is Dr. Edwin Schneidman. And at least in America, he's probably one of the top five pioneers. And when I mentioned that to Kevin, uh, Kevin mentioned, oh, I met him, I met him. And, uh, uh, and so we formed that connection. And because of that connection, we were able to follow up with each other. And then Kevin actually filmed an interview with me some months later that I'm not sure he, he posted, but we developed a relationship. And then when Frank and I were thinking of doing this, uh, it was clear that we needed someone to share a story as opposed to just a, a professional like myself talking about uh, from my expertise, mainly uh, about people who become uh, suicidal. Mm. Uh, uh, what I hope and what we hope comes across in Stay Alive and I'll ask you, Kevin, if you experienced it. Um, there's, a di there's a different way of communicating with people where when you talk with people, it's a different conversation than when you talk at them or you even talk to them. Yes. Yeah. And when you talk with people, people lean in towards you because sadly and, may and even tragically, when you ask a lot of people in the world, how often do you feel someone actually talks with you? Uh, the majority of people will say it never happens. People either mm -hmm. talk at me or they talk to me, but talking with me doesn't happen. So I think one of the things that we hoped we exhibited and demonstrated was, was Kevin and Reiko and I were talking with each other 
And I, I guess just like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, I think we hope talking with each other was in the eye and the air of the viewer. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel it was a very, it, it seemed like a very em, em, uh, empathic conversation, right? I, I think everyone was feeling and understanding what was getting said. And I think the thing you just mentioned, right? Like it was important to have someone that had kind of a lived experience of this. Which I think that's really important. But it also then, it helps to validate the, the, the important things you were saying, Mark, around prevention, right? There's, you know, if, if it was just yourself talking, that is important, right? You're, you're, you make good points and some interesting points, the way you kind of structure and, and, and kind of, you know, bring your experience to life but then when you have people that have experienced that depth right those dark moments who then can be like yes that's how i felt or yeah i i, I was just thinking if someone could say that to me you know and in hindsight i get that and so it lets people see that the points you are making are actual real constructive points because a lot of times with these things just anything right when you look at the books there's so many self-help books right and people and the, the one thing i always love is when you get these life coaches that are maybe 20 or something and you're like i mean it's all well and good but have you have you lived enough to be able to tell people how to do this thing you know what i mean and sometimes people have gone through a thing but there's a level of experience sometimes which you need to see for things to resonate with you. And so, you know, with, with this conversation, all of that comes together in that really perfect way that I feel a lot of people find very valuable. You know what I mean? You know, and another thing about that format that we... we thought about as we designed the film is that we we wanted to make it accessible to people who weren't in the space of being uh, thinking about ending a life or that kind of thing, but people who were suffering from some, some depression, uh, mm -hmm. people who knew others who could benefit from um, a, a dialogue with themselves or a dialogue with others, which Mark presents so artfully in the film uh, about demonstrating why it's valuable that you're here. And so that broader purpose is really what we've been hearing is also very useful because uh, as I was saying before, we're in a mental health crisis and uh, for a variety of reasons that uh, we probably don't have time to go into to today, but uh, obviously with the COVID uh, pandemic and maybe the impact of social media, some would say so, um, uh, just sociological, cultural changes, it's it's tougher out there than it was five ten years ago. So all of which is to say that uh, a film like this has something for people uh, in a variety of situations. It's educational. It's impactful. As I say, it can be shared in terms of somebody who's in a really dark place that's a friend or a family member. So we intentionally broadened it uh, through this kind of informal format 
and we hope that we've, we've succeeded and a couple of people have told us that we have. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it, it works. It definitely does work. I mean, we've, because um, it's one of those things that, yeah, you, you definitely can watch it and you get this depth of insight from that, but I think you could also just listen to it. So will you also be putting it out as like an audio track as well, or is it just a, a visual um, conversation? What we've done so far is we've sliced it into some chapters so that uh, if you don't have time, and we're in a busy world these days, if you don't have time to take in the whole um, hour and a quarter, uh, you can take in a, a piece of it that's uh, perhaps directly applicable to an issue that you're thinking about. We also created a music video that of the same name that is uh, reminiscent of the flavor of it, which uh, Waco produced that uh, does a good job of, again, kind of tying the, the message together. Yeah, I, uh, I would emphasize, uh, I hope people will have a chance and maybe you can add that to our conversation, the music video, because maybe I'm just so moved by it and attached to it and reminded of Reiko and sitting down with Kevin. But every time I watch it, I just, it just hits me emotionally right in the, right in the heart. I've become emotional and, uh, but I feel better. I feel uh, some relief. I feel, uh, I feel that I can see people listening to it and feeling less alone. And by the end of the music video, it, it's hopeful. But isn't that really the, the theme of so much of your work, um, Mark, the, the, the dialogue you have and, and the, the foundation that talks about the reason for being here? It's about being left less alone, not left alone. And I, I think that's one of the things that viewers will appreciate very much about the film is that dialogue and, and your seven, is it seven? Um, um, pieces of, of uh, affirmation that you put together. Well, I, th I think uh, I think the way to listen to it, it's it, it's a pretty heavy experience. And I could see people uh, not being able to watch it all in one s sitting, which is why we broke it up into these seven sections so people can see uh, uh, smaller parts. But as Frank was saying, I think we're hoping that people will see themselves in it that if you're someone struggling with depression, you might be able to share either the entire uh, documentary or parts of it with your family and say, this is what I've been trying to tell you. Or if you're a parent of someone and you're worried about them being in a dark place and they're not speaking to you, our hope is that as a parent, you could share this with your uh, loved one who you're worried about and say, is this what you're trying to tell us? So we hope it'll serve as a catalyst for people to have conversations, healing conversations, but also uh, if people feel benefit from it, it means that they should consider going and seeing a therapist because feeling understood, uh, being talked to, being talked with, if they can feel the beneficial experiences, we hope that people will reach out for help because the, the statistics are that there's a high, high percentage of people who are 
feeling depressed and they just don't reach out for help. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's an in, that's a that's a big part of it. I think also the way you've structured it, having it in these seven parts. So that's very good because it's like you might watch the whole thing, right? You might watch the whole thing through and and you might watch it several times. That's what we've heard as well. Well, you watch it several times, but there might be some days where you just need to hear one part of it, right? So then you can go, hey, I think I need part five, right? And you can go and listen to that part, right? You don't need the other bits, but you just need part five, right? And I think that's the great thing about it as well, that you're you'd be able to do those sort of things. You know, because sometimes it's just... There's just certain words that you might need to hear, right? Is it, one of my friends, um, Jessica Graham. She's um really she's a great actress, um, and a lot of times she uses her social media to put out like these these kind of messages of hope, right? And it's just sometimes it's just little things, just little things, a few words, and, and you know there's definitely certain days and you just hear those words and you're like. Yeah, that I actually needed that today. You know, but you don't know you need it until you hear it sometimes. You know. Yeah, Kevin, I'm curious. Uh, uh, Frank and I are very delighted and appreciative that we're doing this, and you you've invited us. How did you discover the video? How how did you come upon it? In what context? So um. I, I uh, you know, for the podcast, right? So I, I work with a lot of different publicists and PR agencies, and there, there's a, a, a lady called AJ Firm, and she always puts me in touch with people that she she feels will have great conversations, you know. And she every time she sends me something, I know I need to I need to look at it. But she never sends me done. You know what I mean? She always sends me these impactful, really, you know, powerful films or documentaries and things like that. So she passed that along and was like, yeah, I, I think you will I think, yeah, you you wanna take a look at this. So I did. And yeah, right, you know what I mean? She again, as she always is, she's she was very right, right? So um, a dependable conduit, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's you need to have people around you who can sometimes put you in touch with like things like this, right? So it, it's you know because I think there's so much knowledge in the world and we don't you know there's no way you can have it all. So uh, there, you know there's certain people, there's certain podcasts, there's things that can give you that information, and if you don't know it. It's good to have people around you that do know it and can be like, hey, you should check this out. This is important. Trusted sources, they're called, I guess. Mm. You know, Kevin, I'm going to have to jump off here, but I'm going to leave you in the very capable hands of Dr. Mark Goulston. And I thank you so much for having us on. I hope that your viewers will have a chance to uh, preview Stay Alive um, at uh, stayalivevideo.org or on uh, Amazon now that we're available there, Amazon Prime Video. So, so thank you so much for letting us spread the word. 
my wonderful partner, uh, yeah. and confidant in this in this mission, and and uh, it's been great uh, working with both of you. I appreciate your time. And Frank, let everyone know where they can find you before you uh, before you go. Sure can. Uh, again, we're at stayalivevideo.org, and we have a, a email connection on there if people want to talk about additional uh, uh, groups that would like to see the film. Uh, we can they certainly accommodate that. Schools and classes and counseling centers, those type of things. In fact, just as recently as today, I don't even think you know this, Mark, but we're talking to a, a military group of veterans who uh, certainly are a, a segment that needs this kind of support and uh, have their own uh, emotional challenges in many cases after having served. So um, spread the word, talk to us about it, and I hope you'll uh, include the, the URL, Kevin, so that people can find us uh, in your comments. Oh, yeah, all the links will be in the episode, Frank. Help Thank you so much. Way. Thank you for your time, Frank. I really appreciate it. See you both again soon. See you, Frank. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I have some time, Kevin, if we want to continue the conversation. Yeah, yeah, let, let's do that, Mark. Thank you. Mark, one thing I'm, I'm always very curious about, right, because, like, stuff like Stay Alive is really important. But do you sometimes feel that it, it might be coming at the, the wrong time? The wrong time isn't the thing, but what I mean is it's like, it, 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 it baffles me sometimes why we don't have these conversations earlier on. You know, like Frank said about the military, right? And it, it, I, I've worked with groups in the past where, you know, they, they help veterans. They help veterans once you've left the military, you know, there's this support system. But I do, but you kind of feel, shouldn't there be something when someone starts? Right? So they get, because you get given. You know, you get given your body armor, you get given your gun, you get given all of this to protect your physical. What about the mental? You know, what I mean? it's like in school, you're given learning, right? There's supposedly this learning to go out into the world and be able to be a productive citizen. But what about the mental? You know what I mean? And it just—it's weird that we don't have the conversations earlier to give people that armor, so when you go out into the world, you're ready for it. Now, it's not to say the things aren't still gonna hurt, but you'll have a better understanding of them, and you can deal with them and cope with the situations a lot better. You know, I completely agree with you, and uh, uh, and. I've been giving some presentations uh, and there's some things that I can share with your viewers or listeners who are looking for tactics, who are worried about someone they care about. Uh, and in some of the presentations I've been making uh, with a friend of mine, he's become a friend. His 14 year old son died by suicide three or four years ago. And, and he's a serial entrepreneur and he really felt that he failed. He really felt that uh, he didn't really know how depressed his son was. And so we've been making presentations where he'll share his story. And then I will share ways to reach someone that you're worried about. And something that I share frequently, and I'm going to share it now, 
are if you're worried about someone in your life, a teenager or even a spouse who's lost a job or had a setback, there's something that we call the four prompts to open up a conversation with someone. And if you're a parent worried about a teenager, uh, you're able to say to that teenager or young adult, you know, all of us parents are worried about our children. We're all worried about how the pandemic is affecting you, our children. And uh, can I run some things by you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, but, but when you ask your teenager, uh, that, that's the way you tee it up. Because a lot of times teenagers do not want to have heart-to-heart conversations unless they initiate them. Mm. So you tee it up by saying uh, to your son or daughter, hey, honey, a lot of our par- us parents are worried about how you're all doing because we see the pandemic's really uh, been stressful for people. So can I run some things by you? You say that to your teenager. Hopefully they won't be too negative and say, okay, mom, okay, dad, what is it? And here are the four prompts. The first one is, at its worst, how awful are you capable of feeling about your life for yourself? At its worst, how awful are you capable of feeling about your life for yourself? And if they say pretty awful, um, you want to dig in and get them to open up more. And you might say pretty awful or very awful. Mm. Okay, mom. Okay, dad. Very awful. They're a little bit annoyed, but they're still in the conversation. Second prompt. When you're feeling that awful, how alone do you feel? Pretty alone. And again, you dig in deeper. Pretty alone or very alone? Okay, dad. Okay, mom. Very alone. The third prompt, take me to the last time you felt that. And they're going to look at you like, what? And you say, yeah, take me to the last time you felt that way. Was it 2.30 in the morning the other night? Because we heard you walking around in your room, actually stomping around in your room. And Kevin, something interesting happens when you get someone to describe something that they went through so vividly that you see it with your eyes, they refeel the emotions. So when you say, take me uh, to the last time you felt it. Okay. Yeah. It was two 30 in the morning. I couldn't get to sleep and I had a test the next day. Yeah. We heard that. That must've been, that must've been really frustrating. Yeah. What happened? Well, I got up and I was stomping around and, and I just couldn't get back to sleep. Yeah. We heard that. Then what happened? I felt like kicking the wall or punching the wall. I was so frustrated. Then what happened? I I started looking for cough medicine or something to take so I could go to sleep, and I couldn't find any of it. And then what happened? Well, then the sun rose, and I felt a little better. So you want to get them to just share whatever it was they went through. Mm. And and the fourth prompt is... uh, I have a favor to ask you. And then by this time, hopefully you're connecting with your child and you're making eye contact as opposed to their tending to sort of blow you off. And you say, I have a favor to ask you. Uh, The next time you feel that way or that you're even heading in that direction, I want you to do whatever it takes to get your mom or your dad or my undivided attention. Because we have tons of things on our mind, but there's nothing more important to either of us 
than you feeling less alone when you feel that awful. So I'll say them really quickly again, because people want to write them down. Four prompts. The first one is, at its worst, how awful are you capable of feeling about your life or yourself? Second prompt, when you feel that, how alone do you feel? The third prompt, take me to the last time you felt that. And the fourth prompt is, uh, have a favor to ask you. Whenever you're feeling that way or heading in that direction, do whatever it takes to get your mom, your dad, or my undivided attention. So can you see how that might help open some people up, Kevin? Oh, most definitely. Most uh, there's, I think a lot of this is, you know, is, is communication skills. And I, I think you, you said earlier, right? People don't always listen. It, you, you can sit down with people and have a conversation, but they're not listening, right? A lot of times people are waiting for the, their opportunity to make a point, you know, or, or looking down at you because it's like, ah, oh, you're talking nonsense. But it, it's, it takes a lot of skill just to, to listen to what people are saying, to absorb those different opinions and points of view. And, and I think that's, it, you know, it's something that I feel people should get, like, training on from, you, you should be taught that stuff in infancy. Yeah, you because know, it's such an important part of life. And those four prompts, I think they, they really do key into having that conversation, you know, and especially that the whole, um, and then what happens, right? Because I think we're definitely prone to be like, well, you know, this person said this thing and it irritated And that's it. That's all I'm going to give you. Right, because uh, you don't want to know. You don't. Like, you don't care. You don't want to hear the other stuff. Like, why would you want to hear? But then, if you're like, and then what happened? You're like, oh, okay. well, yeah, no, I was really pissed off. Like, it was, it was frustrating. I, I felt they they were belittling me. And then what happened? And you're like, oh yeah, then I was just like, oh, and what am I meant to do to get past this? To do this thing? To go? And it and it opened you up talking and expressing your emotions, which is really important. Well, I want to share something uh, with your viewers, and I'm going to do an experiment with you, Kevin. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> um, uh, just before the pandemic, I spoke in Moscow, along with a Nobel Prize winner named Daniel Kahneman. He wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. And I spoke uh, along with him because I have five of my nine books have done pretty well in Russia. And one of the things, and there's, and I can send you a link to a video clip. And one of the things uh, I launched on the thousand Russian businessmen and businesswomen, and something I've been trying to teach everyone since then, is that Underneath people listening to us, they're always listening for something. Mm. And if you can let go of your agenda and realize that people are listening for something 
and just be curious what that might be without any agenda to sell them something, people open up to you. So here's the experiment with you, Kevin. So you're listening to me. You've been listening to Frank. And but I'm guessing that your viewers trust you and have confidence in you. And I'm guessing that underneath your listening to Frank and me is you're listening for something that would be valuable for your viewers and listeners because you want to honor their trust and confidence in you. You don't want to waste their time. You don't want uh, to um, shortchange them when they give you the gift of their attention. And I'm guessing you may also be listening for a guest who might be a best-selling author, but who's awful, who's terrible. And afterwards, you have to go back to that person and say, geez, I'm sorry, we couldn't use the interview, because, because you don't want to waste your listeners or viewers' time. So is any of that accurate, that you're listening for someone who can give your viewers and listeners immediate value that they can use in their lives. Well, the interesting thing with that, Mark, right, I kind of feel that is, you know, conversation is a two-way street, right? And it's important that I ask the right things, you know? And so when you say something, like, like would be and then, Right, it, it's just like it's so easy in these things to be like, that's a really good point, Mark. Okay, so on to the next. And it's just like, no, 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 no. We need to let these things breathe. Right. So I'm kind of listening the way I'm listening to you is to kind of be like, okay, that's you know, I mean, like these are really valuable points. What else would I want to know about that? Right. And if I there's things that I might know, but it's just like, okay, but not everyone will know that. So what is the thing I should be asking to open this up to people? That's kind of how I'm I'm doing it. Because you know, if we walked away and this was a very flat conversation, that's partly my fault. Right? Because I think also sometimes, you know, depending on our day. Like there's an energy we bring into things. And there's definitely been times when I've spoken with people and you can feel that they've started off a bit flat. So then you have to bring them, you have to bring them up. You have to bring them up. So it's asking the right things to start a conversation. So sometimes it's not even talking about the film. It might be, yo, did you do this thing? Or did you see this? That was crazy, right? Or, you know, just something just to get it just to get it public, right? And then you can get into this, the other stuff. But it's it's being able to do that. So that that's how I kind of approach these things, you know? So, so you're reminding me of an exercise uh, that I offer people about how to be 100% present with another person. You know, we hear that term, try to be present. And I'm going to share it because you actually passed with flying colors. So the exercise is called the HUVA exercise, H-U-V-A. And uh, if you're watching this or listening to it, 
what you want to do is once a day, think of a conversation which you want to be totally present and which the other person walks away very satisfied. So what the Hoover exercise is, which you've done a great job of, is uh, select that conversation where you want to be present. And afterwards, you're going to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 on H-U-V-A. And H stands for, from their point of view, how much did they feel heard out by you versus you interrupted them, changed the subject, and they didn't feel heard out by you? U is how much did they feel understood by you? And you demonstrate that by picking on a word that has a bit of emotion on it, like uh, always, never, awful. And you might say, say more about that awful thing or say more about that amazing thing. So how much, uh, from their point of view, do they feel understood by you? V is how much do they feel you valued what they had to say? And you've been all over this, Kevin, with the, the HUV by, by stressing, you know, that's a, that's a really important point. And the people at the home might want to uh, take note of that and see how they relate to it. And then the final A is how much did that person feel you added value to what they had to say? And you've done a wonderful job, Kevin, of uh, I can speak for Frank and myself, we have felt heard out by you, we have felt understood by you, we have felt valued by you, and we have felt that you added value to what we had to say. Thank you, Mark. I, I, I appreciate that. Like, it, it's, I don't know. I just think if you get the opportunity to have these conversations, you want to make sure you get everything out of them, right? Now, there's definitely times at the end of these things that I'd be like, oh, I should have asked that, or, oh, man, I forgot this thing. But it's just, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes things just get away from you, right? They, they, they become this different animal, where in your head you'd be like, okay, so we're going to talk about this film. And you end up talking about so much more. But then there, there's a joy in that, right? Because it's just like, oh, that became... I wasn't even expecting that to go to those places. And, and that's, that's what I love about conversation. And there's um, <laughs> a funny thing, like uh, me and my girlfriend, sometimes we'll go, we'll go for meals or just, you know, just a normal, regular conversation. And then you look at the time, you go, wait, what? How is it this time, right? And a lot of times, you know, the restaurant is now closed and you look up and the staff are looking at you like, yeah, you need to go. <laughs> and then, and then, so you look at, you start the conversation at night, right? So you think, hey, it's plenty of time. And then it just becomes this bohemian of a thing. But you're so engaged with it that time doesn't really matter it, because you're just interested in the points people are making and, you know, just all of that. But it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. The conversation's interesting. You know, uh, you mentioned uh, girlfriend. So I, I, be I belong to an entrepreneurial community. And, and the men have a lot of alpha energy, you know, because they're entrepreneurs. And, mm. 
and and many of them have many many marriages you know because entrepreneurs uh, are so focused on that alpha energy um, they're not frequently they're not good at getting close to anyone emotionally so one of the exercises that we give entrepreneurs who don't want to get divorced for the third time uh, <laughs> is uh, and when I and when we share this with them, they go, "Oh my God, I'm going to get into trouble." But no, it'll it'll actually repair things. Is reach out to your partner, if you are a kind of person who has all that alpha energy and you love momentum, which doesn't really help intimacy. And you say to your partner, uh, "Have I ever made you feel that you weren't worth my undivided attention and interest?" Mm. that's the mm, they're gonna go what <laughs> yeah. have i ever made you feel uh, that you weren't worth my time undivided attention and interest uh, if you're a partner of an entrepreneur yes you've made them feel that way and so there's a real this is a real opportunity to break through and have an intimate moment so the second so i i, I believe in prompts so if they look at you like, yes, the second prompt is at my absolute worst, at my absolute worst, uh, how awful can I make you feel when you want my attention and I won't give it to you? And they will tell you uh, pretty awful. It, it's a little bit like the four prompts. Mm -hmm. The third thing you say is take me to the last time we had a conversation like that and I made you feel that way. And they'll share that with you. And then the fourth prompt in this conversation is you look at your partner who by this time is going to be crying with relief that you're having this conversation. And you say, look at me. And you say, um, you're worth my undivided attention. And uh, and you're and you deserve to have me relate to you instead of just tuning you out. And I'm going to fix this. And I was wrong, and I'm sorry. That is a killer conversation, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the thing that I find interesting. Right, you, you, you said it with this, and you said it with the four prompts, but it's like, take me to, right? It is that. It's like, take me to the time it's been the worst, right? Or the last time you felt like. And I think that's very interesting because sometimes when you it's like, well, how? And it's just like, in this moment of time, when to it, I think that they anchor themselves in that moment. Oh, like so that there was a time when this happened, and you can look like that, which I think is something that you know people are able to do. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, it can really repair a relationship because. Frequently, what will happen is the other person will be justifying 
a relationship that is not satisfying to them. They'll be saying, well, Kevin's not a very good listener or Mark's not a very good listener, but they're busy and they mean well. But really what they're doing is they're justifying to themselves that they're not feeling close to us. And they're rational. Yeah. Well, Mark, so I've definitely been in those situations, but I think the thing is that for me, it was like you're thinking, well, you're, you're with this person and you've, you're, you're, both, you're, you're meant to be caring about each other, right? So in that context, that person couldn't be doing these things deliberately, right? So it must be because of this or this or this. So you, it's like, you know, in giving people a reason to act the way they are because you don't want to think it's just because they're selfish, like they don't care, they they value their time more than yours. Well, I, I don't think it's you had mentioned this must be really difficult, and and uh, I don't think it's difficult if you have the intention to make a relationship better. Mm. So those four prompts are not that difficult. It may be difficult when the other person starts to cry and they're crying with relief. You're not upsetting them. You're actually giving them hope because you've taken a moment to care about how they feel. So there's a saying where there's a way, uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Maybe it comes from the uh, Bible or something, but I feel it's backwards. I think where there is a way that is doable by normal, regular people where you don't have to be an expert, where there is a way people will find the will to fix relationships. Mm. So part of what we're trying to do is offer uh, a way that is doable by other people. Can I share something else that I've been working on about mental health because it's such a problem? Oh, for sure. So recently, um, I've come up with a simple definition for mental health because it's just so confusing and complicated. So I'll run it by you slowly and deliberately and repeat it because it's kind of a mouthful. Mental health is the ability to modify your internal reaction to anything life throws at you so that that you can create a response in your mind or back out into your life that is constructive and not destructive. I'll say that again. Uh, It's inevitable that life throws things at us. So mental health is the ability to modify your internal reaction when life throws anything at you so that your response to it in your mind or in your life is constructive instead of destructive. Mm. And I think you can break that down with other people. So for instance, if you want to, help someone through that if you accept the definition and someone you care about. And you can actually do this with yourself in a journal. But if someone 
you care about is upset, uh, you can walk them through that definition by saying to them, what happened to you? And then they tell you what happened. Then the next thing you ask them is, what did you think when that happened? Oh, I thought my, uh, I thought my, my job was over. I thought, you know, it was all a big mess. What'd you feel when it happened? I felt really scared. Like I was really in big trouble. Uh, the next step is the most important one, which is their impulse. Uh, what did it make you want to do? It made me want to quit. It made me want to hide. It made me want to call in sick. And then you say, what would be a better thing to do? Take a deep breath and think about it. Well, actually, the better thing to do is enabling them to talk their way through it with you instead of acting on that impulse. And they might say, well, the better thing to do would be, you know, not to call in sick, not to quit. Uh, and then, uh, and then ask the person, and why would that be a better thing to do? Or why would talking to me or, or writing this down in a journal be a better thing to do? Well, because it's less destructive. It's less destructive than, you know, just blowing up and quitting, than doing something impulsive and then afterwards feeling, what the heck did I do that for? So if you could follow that, it's a way that we can talk ourselves through it. You can do that in a journal or you can talk someone else through it. But can you see how that goes along with helping someone modify their internal reaction to something that life has thrown at them so that their response is constructive instead of destructive? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that, that that's definitely, it's an important thing. And I think that a lot of times, you know, I mean, like people don't understand that, right? It's impulse, right? It, it, it's working, working around that and going, you know, because sometimes you hear, you know, people be like, yo, I quit my job today, right? and they just said this thing and it was too much and I just quit. And people are like, yeah, good on you. And people are like, mm, is it though? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because how do you have your bills now? And then it, but it is it, also, you know, look, you, you shouldn't have to deal with certain things, but then also you need to be able to handle people saying things to you. You know, be able to, um, calibrate yourself to be like okay so i'm not just going to react to these things i'm going to think about it and then i'm going to go okay this is what my approach is going to be you know once you've thought about you know the consequences the opportunities the threat you know just all of these things be like okay the best thing in this situation is right just to be like okay that's how you feel Thank you for letting me know, you know, and then going home and putting your resume out there so, you know, you can find that next job. And then once you have that job, you can then quit, right? But you quit on your terms and, you know, you, you don't mess with your finances. But it, it, it's just like understanding that. And I think that's the important thing. That's a skill that, you know, people need to be able to develop. 
Yeah, you know, here's another uh, thing that because in our conversation, you're you're triggering in me some of the tips that I give in my you know coaching and my speaking. So is that okay that I'm giving these tips? Oh, I mean, as long as you're happy giving them away for free, there's yeah, that's golden, man. It's, I think these are valuable things that you know. As I said, look, this stuff isn't taught to us at school. Right. And unless you have the right circle of friends around you. And when I say right circle, it's not saying your circle of friends are bad. Right. But it, the right circle is it is people that understand the nuances of communication. Right. And, and that will actually listen to you, you know, because we don't always have those people around us. Like for, for me, I, I have a great friend called Cindy. And the amount of times we have stayed up late just talking about certain things, you know, relationships, work, just life in general, you know, and, and the, the value of those conversations is you, you can't put a monetary value on it, right? Because I knew that sometimes you say to people, you'd be like, oh, you know, how are you feeling? Be like, ah, man, you know, it's been a bit of a rough day. They're like, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, this has been going, and you know, there's that. But the, the the people that you know, you, you should hold dear, the ones that will be like, all right, well, tell me about that. Like, why is that? What's been going down? What's happening with you? You know, and that's she's one person that always does that. You know what I mean? So it, it's just, yeah. Your tips, I think, are very important for, for the people that don't have those people around them. So then they can understand the process and they can, you know, ask themselves these questions. They can go through that or they can start doing that to their friends. And by osmosis, their friends will then pick up the skills and do it back. So here is a tip because... Uh... On my LinkedIn profile, uh, what it says, and I'm trying to live up to it, is the the world's leading C-suite conflict coach. So what that means is now what I'm doing, in addition to the mental health advocacy, because I'm, I'm retired as a psychiatrist, because I, uh, I look pretty good, but I'm in my middle 70s. And... Uh, Okay. And so I've expanded that in, and what I do is I coach people to deal with any conflict because what I've discovered is the majority of people either get angry at conflicts and make it worse, or they avoid the conflict and they need to be dealing with it. So mm-hmm. here's, here's a tip I will share with you because you're right. When someone shares with you something they're upset about, uh, you can get them to talk about it. But how do you deal with it when someone's upset with you? You know, it's not so easy when it's directed at you. So one of the tips, there's another tip is called the FUD crud technique, F-U-D crud technique. And the reason it's called that is so you can remember it. And the way it looks is, again, picture you're with your partner or a business partner or your teenager or anyone else. And they, and they get upset with you. You pause. And when you pause, uh, it, they get a little nervous because you're pretty calm. And here's the FUD crud technique. You say to that person, 
you sound frustrated and I think you're holding back. <laughs> They're going to go, what? It's like, it's, it's like a martial arts move. Uh, yeah, you sound frustrated and I think you're holding back because I think you're upset and disappointed too. What? Yeah, I think you're not just frustrated with me. I think you're upset at me and I think you're disappointed in me. Can you fill me in on all those? And and then again, you want to draw from them, you know, what the, what are you frustrated about? And, and, and you don't take issue with it. Oh, I can see, you know, I didn't mean to do that, but I can see how that frustrated you. What upset you about what I did? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I can see how that was upsetting. But what you really want to do is draw all the frustration and upset about because what's a more gentle conversation is to say, what are you disappointed about? Well, you know, you've said five times that you would change and you haven't. You said you would remember and you didn't. And I'm disappointed in you uh, because here we are again, stuck in the same place. And can you see how if you let if, if you help the conversation go from frustration to upset to disappointment without you getting defensive or yelling back at them, will you do A, B, and C? Can you see if you can make it through those, how the conversation would be much more calmer and more gentle and more of a dialogue than an argument? Mm. Oh, definitely. So to yeah. our, our viewers and listeners, Kevin's already checking out. He's going to try some of these within the next day or two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, definitely. There's, there's time to work. And you, you, hey, I, I had a call the other day and the person on the line from jump was just angry. And it was just like, what is happening here? And you, you know, you have to be calm because they're, you know, they're a partner of the organization. So you can't just be like, hey, shut up. So it's just like, okay, tell me what, what's frustrating you. Like, what, what information would you have liked? You know, what would you like us to do? How can we make this better? And you have to talk it in that fashion. Um, so yeah, like, you know, Having these things, there's also, I think, a big thing with this, right? Communication and just skills for life in general. You don't know everything, right? And you might be doing things this one way, and someone tells you something, you'd be like, oh, that would make that thing so much simpler. I should try that. I'll incorporate that into what I do. So it, it's, I think that's another fun thing about these conversations that you pick up new new skills right there's a you know it's like um you know going to a sweet shop and be like oh, i haven't tried that one i want to try that one <laughs> okay but kevin kevin can you imagine a customer service representative using the fud crud technique because you could turn an angry customer into a fan of your company because if you can get them to the point of being disappointed what they're likely to tell you is, well, I'm not disappointed in the piece of technology. 
I'm really disappointed in myself because this is not the first time that I bought technology and it doesn't work and I get frustrated and I get angry. And then usually there's something simple that I overlooked and I've done it again. You know, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not just frustrated with you. I'm disappointed in myself because I, I need to use this new technology, but sometimes I get so nervous and I feel so stupid that I can't use it, that, that I skip a step and then it won't work. And then I get all frustrated and I've done it again. Mm. So can you see how you could talk someone all the way through it and be so calming and empathic that they could go from being from ranting to raving about your uh, your company oh for sure yeah no it's it's often baffling that you know that that people in these customer service roles don't go through like you know a, a certain level of training on how to communicate with customers and you know their stakeholders because sometimes you just you can clearly see someone isn't equipped to do this role, right? Because they just don't know the nuances of conversation. And I think if everyone understood stuff like the FUD crud, right, it, it would make their life so much easier because it's just like, look, you don't even want to be in that role having to deal, you know, have these conversations when you can't have those conversations because it's not just making the day longer, but it's leaving you just in a bad mood. So if you can communicate, you might not love the job, but you're not going to be leaving every day just feeling miserable. Well, can you, I'm just thinking, so so this episode, I, I hope it's inspired you, but I blog a lot, so... I've just created the title for a blog uh, on how to deal with the angry customer. You know, the, the FUD crud technique. Mm. Because, because I think when you can stay there, and, and there is training. All these companies, uh, they're training in customer service. But often the person seems robotic. And, you know, and, and it feels like it's good they're not getting angry at you. But when it feels like you're getting a robotic response and you're already upset and agitated, you can see how a a number of customers would get even more frustrated. But if you had a technique to pull it out of them, and if you knew that after they spoke about what they were frustrated about, if you gave them the chance to speak about what they're upset about, you know, they're probably upset about all kinds of things in their life. But if you give them a, a venue and an outlet to express their upset at you and you don't get defensive, you can see how they would calm down and, uh, and then eventually talk about what they're disappointed in. You know, you, know, you know, part of my resume is I've trained FBI and police hostage negotiators. So part of it is teaching them how do you get someone to talk their way down from a life or death impulse Mm. having a conversation with you yeah i think oh i I think one big thing is like 
because these are really useful tips and insights. But how did you know? How did you come by them? Right? How did how did you have these moments of clarity where you're like, "Yo, this is the approach, right? This is the way we should be doing it. These are the conversations we should be having." Well, here's something that really helped me. I, I twenty years ago. I met a fellow named Bob Pratt, and he's the president of uh, a big uh, volunteer organization in Los Angeles. And he was the calmest person I think I've ever met. And I said, are you on drugs? I mean, where does this come from? And he said, here's my philosophy of life. And I made it my philosophy of life. He said, uh, identify stop and protect others from evil at the earliest opportunity. But to everyone else, cut them slack because they're just flawed, just like you. And you don't run into truly, truly evil people that often in your life. And so part of his approach, part of his approach is assume innocence and goodwill until you can't mm, so mm. is he assumes innocence and goodwill from everyone because he assumes that rarely do we run into evil and then when someone's acting up he said i don't get angry i get confused so suddenly someone is yelling at me about something and uh, and and instead of getting defensive i let them get angry but then he says, I get confused and I say, wow, well, in a non-attacking way, wow, what was that about? What did I do or fail to do that caused you, you know, to come at me that way? Because, you know, my intention was not to cause you any, any discomfort. What did I do or fail to do that caused you to act the way you're doing, you know, you know, or was it just having kind of a bad day and I was in the wrong place at the wrong time but that's my philosophy in life is that wherever i go in life i assume goodwill and innocence until i can't and then mm. when someone acts up i get confused I, I don't get angry or defensive i don't escalate and and i think it's a wonderful way to approach life i i, I definitely feel that it um alleviates a lot of the stress, you know? And one thing I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about sometimes, you might be able to answer this for me, right? Because I think, and I might be wrong, right? But I think there's times when people misunderstand depression, right? I, I think sometimes it's easy to say, I'm, I'm, I'm depressed. When you might not actually be depressed, you're just sad in that moment of time. You know what I mean? And I think it's it, it, it's having that kind of understanding of your feelings to understand, like, no, this is just I'm sad, right? I'm I'm disappointed. Yeah, I'm frustrated that I didn't get that job. I'm not actually depressed. You know what I mean? Because anyone's gonna be you know, frustrated or sad they didn't get this job. 
right? But it, I, I think there's, I don't know, there's been a shift in society where saying certain things, right, there, there's a, I, I, I think you get a validation from it. And I think people sometimes will say, yeah, I'm, I'm depressed. I didn't get a job, I'm depressed. Right? Rather than be like, yo, I'm sad. Yeah, I'm upset. You know, do, 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 do you feel well, that? I, well, I think the key to it is, you're right, there's a, there's a lot of words that are very, uh, very emotionally laden with things. So, if, if you were to say, for instance, I'm disappointed I didn't get the job, you know, to another person, you know, that allows them to sort of be sympathetic and say, and, you know, I, I can understand that. But when you say I'm depressed, it often scares other people. Mm. Oh, they're depressed. I'm in over my head. I don't know what to say to them. And then a lot of times, if you don't know what to say to the other person and they're making you nervous when they say I'm depressed and you say, oh, you'll probably get over it. Oh, don't worry about it. That can then cause them to become agitated. So there's a lot of words that are, you know, being thrown around that uh, that and I, and I think we need to be a little more thoughtful about the words, because there's a saying I heard that I think is true. We have more control over what we say than how other people hear it. Yeah. So if you use the word depressed and another person comes from a family that's filled with people who are depressed or worse, you know, they're going to hear that a lot differently than if you say, I'm disappointed. Mm. So, so I think uh, it's a good practice for us to be able to develop a richer vocabulary because we can say certain things that are going to cause people um, excess worry when uh, we didn't we we didn't we didn't have the best word to say it. Yes, and I you know it, it's something that I don't know if this is actually true, right? But you hear it a lot, you know that. Um, oh gosh. Uh, what is the term nowadays? I think it's the, the First Nation, right? Um, the Inuit Nation. Um, yeah, that you hear the, uh, like a hundred words for snow, right? I don't know how true that is, but I think it's an interesting thing, right? If someone has a hundred words for snow, but we only use only a very few number of words to express sadness or disappointment, right? It, it, you know, you, I'm sad, I'm frustrated, I'm depressed. They're the things that people say regularly. When it's just like, you know, you, you, these, these people have got 100 words for snow, right? It, it kind of tells you that you need more nuance in your vocabulary to be able to describe things and talk about things rather than just chat these 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 throwaway words that people use you think oh well, they'll know what i mean if i say this and they're like well what will they you know will they understand because as you said right you might say depressed but you're feeling you're not really depressed you're just frustrated 
but someone that comes from uh, you know an upbringing a household all with depression that's going to hit differently so it's just like yeah we need more nuance well i i i think we're all going to make mistakes and uh, i'll share share something you might find interesting Years ago, I was the chief mentor at a company called China Foundations, and it was located in Shanghai and uh, Beijing, and their focus was helping uh, Fortune 500 American managers uh, work effectively with Chinese workers, so cross-cultural integration. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we developed that was very effective. And if you're listening in, you can use this to cross cultures, generations, genders, races. It's a one size fits all. And the way it works, so here's another tip for your viewers or listeners, is if you're going to be interacting with someone from a different generation, a different culture, a different race, a different gender, what you say to them at the beginning of your interaction is to say, you know, if we continue to work with each other, we're going to have a relationship, a working relationship. And I know there are things from my generation or from my culture or my race. I know there are things that we do or fail to do that aren't intended to offend you, but they will. So if you can tell me what I should always do and what I should never do going forward, uh, I'm going to do my best to follow what you suggest because the last thing I would want to do is say something or fail to say something that uh, where you have to explain to the people around you who's the jerk from America. So the last thing I would want to do is put you in an awkward position with your people to have to explain something that I did or failed to do that I didn't intend to upset people, but it upset people. So can you tell me something that I should always do and never do? So I'm a baby boomer. And when I've done this with millennials, what they'll say is um, one thing you should never do as a baby boomer is don't go on and on and on about some old war story that we have no interest in. <laughs> you know, don't ever say the good old days because you're going to drive us crazy. Or don't ever say when I was your age, you'll offend all of us. So, uh, so it's an interesting exercise that, you know, when you're going to be working with people, look, you're British, I'm American. I could say, Kevin, Kevin. I'm, a, I'm not only an American, I'm a Californian. There's a lot of things that we say and do that would, you know, offend your British sensibilities. If you can tell me what I should always say and always do and never say and do, I'd be happy to write them down and do my best, uh, you know, so that we can have a great relationship. I'll ask you, Kevin, how many things have I said or done during this conversation that have offended you? 
<laughs> I don't have enough fingers, Mark. <laughs> oh, there you go with that British humor of yours. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's, and I think, I think that's an important thing, right? And I, you know, when I start in new jobs or just, you know, going to new, you know, it, I try and have those conversations. Be like, okay, so what are you expecting from me, right? What looks like success to you, right? What, what are the objectives you want to see in the first six months, 12 months? You know, it's, it's asking certain things. You know, is is just like when you start seeing someone, right? It, it's being like, um, okay, so what are the things that are like the not acceptables, right? What things to you do you enjoy? What do you hate, right? It, it's kind of trying to establish those sort of things because when you don't know someone or you're first starting to work with people, you don't know the things that, you know, let's say are their triggers, right? And I think it's a big thing right now is like people would be like, oh, that triggered me. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Be like, I don't know you. So how would I know this thing is a trigger for you? Because that, what I just said to anyone else is just a simple sentence. But because you've had this certain experience, it's been a trigger to you. But I don't know that. I wouldn't know that unless you told me that thing. So I, I, I think it's, yeah, there's so much within these interactions that we have to understand, right? You have to understand that not everyone's going to know every part of your life, right? Everything that you've been through and, every, and the, the things that they say aren't an attack. So, you know what I mean? It's like you said, like looking at these situations, like everyone is a friend until they've shown they're not, right? And it's like going, these people aren't necessarily, they're not looking to offend me with what they're saying. Now, did it offend me? Yeah, it did, but that wasn't their intention. So I can just say to them after everything's all done, be like, Hey, that no, great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Um, I just want to say, right, because of this and this, what you said at the beginning, I, you know what I mean, it, it hits in a different way. So if, you know, in the future, if we can avoid that, everything would be great. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody's like, I appreciate you telling me that. I didn't know. I will use different words next time. But we don't, that, you know, that doesn't always seem to be the thing. It seems like they said a thing, I'm going to go to HR. I'm going to do this bit. Like, I'm going to call that person out. And I think that's not how we should be communicating. Yeah, there's, there's a, one of my uh, colleagues is a fellow named Marshall Goldsmith. And he's a pretty well-known executive coach. And he has a, a group called the 100 Coaches and these are some of the top coaches in the world. So it's international. And I, I, I feel honored to be one of those in that group. But one of the things that Marshall talks about is focus on the future that nobody has messed up yet, rather than focusing on something that's already happened. So, mm. so one of his favorite phrases is to say, going forward, 
in the event that we have a disagreement, from your point of view going forward, what's the best way for me to be with you so the disagreement doesn't escalate into an argument? Going forward, what should I always do and what should I never do when we're having a disagreement so that we can avoid an argument and work it out? And, and I just love that approach because I think he's right. And, and by the way, if you do that with people and they tell you, you want to reinforce it by saying, this is much too important for me to get wrong. So let me see if I got what you said. What you said is that going forward, if we have a disagreement, what you want me to always do is this. And what you want me to never do is this. And if I follow that, what you said is we're not going to get into a, an argument. Is that right? And you're listening for them to say yes. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this sounds complicated by why it's so helpful is that later on, when you get into a disagreement, you can call back to it and say, do you remember we had a conversation that whenever we get into a disagreement, these are the things I think you told me that I should do. And these are the things you told me I shouldn't do. So it doesn't become an argument. I'm going to do my best to follow your recommendations and see how we get through this. And maybe you can tell me how it, how it went for you, but can you see how that could really solve a lot of problems as opposed to having never spoken about it? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. You know, it, I think, as I said, I just, it baffles me why these things aren't taught at you know, school level. Right, you know, from the beginning, we, we teach people, you know, French and other languages and, you know, maths and, you know, all of these things, but we don't teach people how to communicate or how to protect themselves from, you know, I think in environmental, you know, I feel um, wordplay, as it were. Right, because people are gonna say things out in the wild, and and it's just like being able to understand what those things mean, what the intention is behind those things, right? Like what that means to you, how you can counter it. Yeah, I think they're debatable. That's that's just been just as valuable in life as you know maths history, geography, just these things. Well, well, don't you think it's that people default to their technical competence and when you default to something that gets stronger and stronger, usually your emotional intelligence suffers. So, so we run into a lot of people who are technically and analytically very competent, but they don't know how to communicate with other people and, and what happens is the greater that technical competence becomes, uh, it's, it's so much more powerful in their mind than their ability to just have a regular human conversation that people tend to default to their strong suit. When I speak with CEOs, I say, I say to them, 
if you're a chief executive, you don't do anything. You delegate everything. What do you touch with your own hands? You don't touch anything with your own hands. You click a button and someone else has to do it. So doesn't it make sense if you're an executive, you're not on the front line, you're not doing any heavy lifting, you do, you do everything through other people and doesn't it make sense that you'd want to inspire and motivate other people to want to do those things you're depending on them to do because you don't do anything and doesn't it make sense that you would want to learn to avoid doing those things that demotivates them, especially your most talented person mm. who realizes that they can work anywhere. I mean, wouldn't the, I would think that the last thing you want to do is upset them so that your most talented person goes to your competition. You know, um, and they sort of nod and smile the way you are, Kevin, and they say, yeah, that's a good idea. Doesn't mean they're going to be motivated to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I think I always find it interesting, you know, when you watch a film, a TV show, or, you know, whatever, and you see, like, a director who's working with the same writers, actors, actresses all the time. And you think, oh, they they really have that bond, right? They, they, there's that level of trust that these people want to continue working together. And especially when you then see that so much of that work is award-nominated. You know, and it's not just best direction, you see best writing, best actor, best actress, best supporting, best on a regular basis. And you just be like, that must be such a great situation. Because they trust each other and they can get this level of work out of each other. And I think that's the kind of thing that you want to, you know, bring to your situation, to your workplace, to your staff. You know, I had a, I had a conversation with one of my direct reports just the other day to be like, hey, this is what, you know, we're looking for. But it's just like, it's not just a case of, hey, you know, this is bad. I need you to do this. It's just like, but what do you want out of this situation? You know what I mean? What are you looking for? What do you feel your strengths are? You know, what what kind of stuff would you like from me? You know what I mean? Are you getting enough face time? Right? Am I explaining things correctly? You know what I mean? Like, it, it was just trying to get all of these kind of things because it's not, because the work is good, but there's just these things that aren't, weren't quite clicking. So it's trying to ascertain why, you know what I mean? And is it because, you know, I haven't asked the right question or should I be putting this in place? Like, what's the environment where I can get the best out of it? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So my friend, I think we've developed a, uh, we've become, we've had a bromance here. <laughs> this, this has definitely been a fun conversation. And, you know, I, I thought that we could, we could have a, you know, after watching the film, right? I, I just thought, oh, this will be an interesting conversation, but you don't know 
how exactly it's going to go, where exactly it's going to go, right? You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like, ah, oh, people just want to talk about this. It's going to go for this amount of time. Like, what's going to happen? But this has been so interesting. And I just think with the amount of tips and just the points, that you know, the insights that you've given people, bang. Yeah, there's, there's so much that people will take away from this episode. So, hey, I, I, thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, Frank as well, right? You, you both really, man, you've been great. It's been awesome. Thank you. Well, you've been terrific too, Kevin. And uh, uh, can you let people know where they can follow you? And also, Mark, you, you, look, you've written all these books. They, you know, where can people find these books? And if you've got an, anything new coming out, let let them let the people know. Well, if you uh, if you go to Amazon, I have uh, I'm the author, a co-author of nine books, so you can find that under my name, Mark Goulston. Um, my LinkedIn profile is a moving target, but it seems to be pretty good right now. Um, and you can go to my website, markgoulston.com. And I have a podcast, which I don't have a team. Uh, so I don't support it on social media. It's all word of mouth, but it's in the top 0.5% globally of all podcasts. Nice. And uh, and I post three podcasts a week. Uh, as I said, I don't really have a team, uh, but I have I get about 25 requests to be on the podcast every week. And... Uh, and they're interesting people. I've had Larry King on, Jordan Peterson, Norman Lear, okay. uh, Margaret, yeah. Heffer Margaret Heffernan. Uh, she's uh, in London. She's mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, Susan Cain wrote a wonderful book, Quiet, and a book, uh, Bittersweet. So there's a whole range of people. So you can check out my podcast uh, on My Wake Up Call, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, maybe I'll come back on because I'm a in the next month or two, we're going to be launching something. I have a team. We're going to be launching something where we distill the, the best nuggets from guests that my, my uh, co-partners have had on their podcast or me and my podcast. Ooh. We're distilling the nuggets into bite-sized bits of wisdom. Oh, Oh, that, yeah, that, that's a great idea. Because, yo, just some of those people that you mentioned, incredible people. So you, I can just imagine those conversations. So, yeah, no, this sounds, hey, you are definitely, you know, it's open door, open door, Mark. Whenever you want to come back and talk about, you know, whatever you've got bubbling, hey, you are more than welcome, my friend. Yeah, I'll share something with you because you'll find it humorous. I have something I call the Dead Mentors Society because I had eight mentors. They all died. The last one was Larry King. I used to go to breakfast with him every morning for two years prior to COVID. And what I use with my dead mentors is whenever I mess up, I sometimes wake up one of my dead mentors and, and uh, because I can be hard on myself. And so sometimes I'll be on a podcast and afterwards I'll wake up Larry who died about a year ago. And I said, Larry, Larry, wake up. 
and he has this Brooklyn gruff, Brooklyn, New York accent. He said, what? What'd you wake me for, Mark? I'm not even cold yet. I said, Larry, I did it again. What'd you do, Mark? I was on a podcast and I started telling stories. I got lost in the story, you know. So what else happened? Oh, I said, there are five things you should remember. And I could only remember three of them. Mark, Mark, what'd the host think? Oh, the host said, you have an open door. You can come back anytime you want. And he says, Mark, Mark, you woke me up for this. I'm not even cold yet. You know, can you put a sock in your mouth, Mark? Just let me rest in peace already. And then what happens is I, I miss these people. I think of them. I feel grateful to them. Like, mm. how lucky was I to know you? And uh, I miss you. And so, so I, I use my Dead Mentors Society uh, whenever I'm about to beat up on myself. And so they walk me through all those prompts. So what happened? What do you think? What do you feel? What does it make you want to do? You know, what do the hosts think? So, um, so that's another tip that you can use. Call upon people who cared about you, living or dead, and use them to talk you down off a cliff when you're about to beat up on yourself. That's definitely a uh, it's definitely a valuable point. I've done it. Well, where I, I, I should say I've learned to do it. It's not something that I used to do, but I definitely have started to utilize that in life. So, yeah, again, another great point you've given to the people, Mark. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Look, we're going to continue the relationship and the conversation, and you haven't seen the last of me, but thank you for having Frank and me on. And, 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 and please, if you're watching, go check out stayalivevideo.org and uh, let's save some lives. Yep. All the information will be in the episode notes. So people go to the website, you know, definitely check out Stay Alive, check out the music video and just, you know, follow Mark and Frank because incredible, interesting people and you really can't go wrong with having uh, that sort of insight in your life. So, um, yeah, thank you again, Mark. Really appreciate it. And I definitely look forward to the uh, next time we have a great conversation. Same here, same here. You take care, Kevin. It's past your bedtime, so uh, <laughs> you, go, you go check that out. And, and take care of yourself and everybody else. Stay safe, and we'll see you all again. Hey, you too, man. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, people, so there you go, right? How great is that? Super interesting, right? And I really appreciate um, Mark sticking around for just even longer, right? I mean, it was great. If it ended earlier, still flat, but the fact Mark stuck around, hey, we got such an interesting conversation and so all the links are in the episode notes right so go to the website follow these people go check out the film the music and get all of that chat and and, 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 and,
Yeah, you yeah, know, um, yeah. If I do say, so myself, hey, get my new baby. Hey, even he if go do it, no one right now might need that. If I do say, so myself, sound of my I'm going to enjoy. If you have a chapter part one yet, we've got five films in that. So, yeah, another flyweight. We'll see you next time for more echo. I thought it was a bad shot.